As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is presented by This Is Bracket Racing. This Is Bracket Racing is a website that I developed to help you become a better racer. It's really not for beginners. It's for racers just like you that currently compete and want to improve. Get a feel for what it's all about at thisisbracketracing.com. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand, Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, what's you, going on, bud? You're getting good at that, Jed. I'm proud of you, brother. Oh, man. It's, it's, that sounds, it. sounds like you've done it six or seven times. Crushing it. I feel like a pro now. <laughs> You'd think I'd be able to do it without reading it, but I ain't quite there yet. <laughs> y'all have a, uh, a good uh, Christmas down there in Colburg? Well, I ain't never had a bad one. They're all good, and um, it was uh, it's always really exciting. You know, JJ's 11th birthday, which we talked about on the last podcast, and Christmas within six days of one another, so it brings its share challenges, but it's a good time, too, and, you know, it's, we're full of Air Jordans, Xbox games, and uh, monster trucks, so <laughs> quite a diverse list of Christmas presents. Santa was good to us, so it's all good. How about you guys? Yeah, yeah, about the same. We had a great time. Uh, my little man was—I'm sure you can remember these days. Um, we we got him a lot of really cool stuff, and then one thing that we kind of debated on—he's got—I'm sure you've seen it at the racetrack. Like he's got a six-lane Hot Wheels track. Yes, like very, very cool. impressive. Yeah, yeah, pretty slick. Well, 
it's a little worse for the wear because it's come in and out of the motorhome, you know, three dozen times over the course of the last year. So, and it's only available <laughs> at Christmas time. So my wife and I decide, I, I'm, I'm not going to take any credit for that. My wife decides, hey, these are available at Christmas. Let's go ahead and get another one. That way he'll have one that we can leave at home, a new one, nice one. And we can put this one that's pretty beat up and just leave it in the motorhome. And for whatever reason, we just decide, like, well, we'll just wrap that up, you know, and stick it under the tree. That way he'll have one more present to open. You know, it'll look good, stuff like that. Sure. Well, we got him a lot of really cool stuff and, like, a $500 (laughs) Power Wheels, you know, that I'm all excited he's going to get in. And when he opens them all, what does he want? Of course, he wants the racetrack that's already assembled in the next room. <laughs> and that's all he wanted to play with. So that's, it's kind of like the kid that, you know, you, you buy him a really nice present and they just play with the box all day. That's, Absolutely. That's kind of what we felt like. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll get into those other cool items pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, it was good times. Um, all right. Before we go into our, our, our news and notes segment today, today's news and notes are brought to you by Racer Swag. Let's face it. If you're listening to this podcast, you're passionate about sportsman drag racing. Put your passion on display with race-specific apparel from Racer Swag. All right. At the top of our news and notes today, um, within the last week, the flyer has been released, or I just saw it, for the inaugural Powerball of Bracket Racing. Jed, I, uh, I assume that you saw the flyer on this thing? I have seen it, Luke. Um, yeah, it's a very impressive race. Uh, Kyle and Wesley you know, obviously had a great year in 2016, and they're going to do it again starting out uh, April 4th to the 9th over at Darlington Dragway, where they've already had a very successful event towards the end of this year. You know, It not only features a huge guaranteed purse, but these guys are, are paying $20,000 to win on Wednesday. With it. That's a great start-up. Yeah, you know, that's, that's just gonna, a warm-up, right? Yeah, that's their warm-up just to get things going. It's, it's going to be 50000 on Thursday and Friday. And then, uh, wow, a quarter million dollars, $250,000 is going to be to win Saturday's main event. And that's all guaranteed. You know, several cool features in the race really caught my eye. Uh, you know, second-round losers are going to get paid, which – you know you don't see it's unprecedented really you don't you don't see it at all and uh, it's not common uh, in in our type of racing but it's really good deal for the racers uh, especially a race of this magnitude and um really one of the, the really cool things they're doing they're going to take the first 50 racers that lose round one so not only second round winners getting paid going to take the first 50 losers from round one and they're going to get paid so uh, and i'm not sure that's ever been done yeah, I saw that. You know, I don't, I don't ever remember getting paid for losing first round. So I'd agree with you. I'd say I think that probably is unprecedented. <laughs> and and some other stuff that they're doing, like in the big show Saturday, um, you know, the best losing package awards. That's not like a new thing, but paying cash for them is something that's not particularly normal. Um, and they're giving away five hundred dollars cash to the best losing packages in rounds one, two, three, four, and five just in that big yeah. race yeah you know they've got a, a, a foot break side of this thing too they're going to pay 500 cash for both the foot break and the, the box racers so you know they're they're going to pay out an additional a thousand dollars per round that's uh that's pretty cool yeah now i was i was looking at this obviously it's, it's got my attention it's on my radar personally because it pays a quarter million dollars to win like i uh i, I kind of more or less race for a living so I, I feel like i have to go to any race that offers that type of purse for the most part but like on this one i mean the three-day entry is 
1750 bucks. And don't get me wrong, that's that's a bunch of money, but for the kind of purse that they're dangling out there, that entry fee is more than fair. And the way that it's structured, like it's not just a whole bunch of money to the winner. Um, like if you, whatever, if I read it right, if you win third round every day, you get all your entry money back. So to right. me, that's what really makes a race like this justifiable for so many racers. Oh, no doubt. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, I know that um, this is a race everybody's going to want to go to, but they're only taking 500 entrants. I say only. That's a lot of entrants, but uh, this will fill up fast. Um, you know, racers that entered either the SFG promotions races those guys did last season, you know, they can enter uh, for just $250 up front, which is fully refundable. And um, January 2nd, they're going to start taking those. And uh, if yeah, that's they're. <clears throat> Yeah, and if there's spots uh, still available, um, entry opens to everybody on Wednesday the 4th. So, um, you know, anybody planning on getting in that, if you haven't paid attention to Kyle and Wesley's events, they fill up in a hurry. So, <laughs> yeah, if you're, like, if you're like Garth Brooks concert. <laughs> That's a pretty good correlation. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you. I haven't been through this. Like, if you're serious about going to this race or even thinking about it, I would suggest not hesitating. They do fill them up. They're they're racing Piedmont last summer, sold out in like four days. And I admit I was left out of that because I wasn't paying that much attention and had no idea it would fill up like that. For their Darlington race last November, I got in like the moment that they opened entry. And it was a good thing. That race, again, 500 entrants. It sold out in like four hours. So the the wow. way that this one works um, is this, like all the pre-entries are done online at their website. It's sfgpromotions.com. So you sign up there and then you mail in your check or call with the payment, but you've got to pre-enter online to get that spot. And again, uh, it's open to guys like me that went to one of the first two races last year on Monday. And then uh, assuming there are spots left, it'll open to everybody on Wednesday the 4th. So I'm excited to see how that goes, how it fills up and, uh, and you know who all's entered because i'm going to do my best to be there yep absolutely folks check them out again sfgpromotions.com is where you'll find all the info all right so folks if you're tuning in this week expecting to hear more of the all-state discussion that the wildly popular all-state discussion um we'll we're going to finish that up next week um luke and i both need a week off uh, it's been a ton of feedback and um you know there's been a lot of uh, smack talk going on um between states uh to luke and i i mean yeah, it's been a little, a little vitriol at times but it's all good <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> but uh you know number one we appreciate everyone listening and we appreciate all the comments and feedback and whether you think we're right or wrong or just plain idiots that's great uh, the overwhelming response is just means that we have people very interested in our sport and very passionate about it yeah, you know, everybody uh, everybody has an opinion, which is awesome. Uh, that's why we're having the discussion, to get everybody thinking about it and to create that debate. So while I don't expect you as a listener to agree with every pick that I made or that Jared made, I do want you to know that we took great effort in our picks. Like, we thought about it and we tried to support our opinions with some reason. Um, now, that doesn't mean we're right. And I love that we're getting so much feedback and opposition. Um, <clears throat> I've read some of the arguments on uh, on Facebook and Twitter, and I even got involved in a couple of debates with listeners on, on a few occasions. That stuff's all in good fun. Um, 
But here's where I kind of refuse to debate anybody, like on social media or anywhere for that reason. Number one, I'm not going to debate anybody who simply wants to talk about the merits of their team or their state. Like, I ain't arguing that they're good. Every racer that we talked about the last two weeks is good. But the nature of this discussion is that it's a competition. So that means that in order to pick a winner, we had to eliminate a team or a driver in every single matchup. Like as racers, we're used to elimination. So we all understand how that works, right? If you're going to sit behind your keyboard and tell me that your state should have won, you at least have to touch on why you think they're better than the racers that we chose instead. Because that's what we had to do. But nobody wants to call out individual racers or not too many of the, the rants that I saw wanted to do that. Like, I just refuse to respond to those posts saying somebody's awesome. Like, that's easy. But saying that they're awesome, but somebody else is just a little bit better, that's a little bit tougher to me. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and so. the second part to my little, I don't know, it's not a rant. Like, I'm not upset about anything. It was, it's all in good fun. But I want the listener to, like, understand that, like, Jed and I, you and I, I don't know how to say this. I feel like I'm talking to the listener. Um, <laughs> like, we've got some perspective here. Like, Jed, you've raced forever. And I think, like, more importantly, you're in the tower behind the computer screen calling the action at most of the biggest races in the world. Like, you get a more all-encompassing look at these racers and the runs that they're actually making in various situations than anybody. So... Oh yeah, and it, you know, Luke, it's uh, uh, the races. The racers that win these races are never as dominant as they receive credit for, and that's not a knock on them. But you know, they get the the guy that was one red when they were twenty seven, uh, or they get the guy that they dropped to go two above, and that guy broke out two thou because he didn't drive the other. You know, all they earn that stuff but at the same time it is some breaks that most of the winners are getting that people don't see i agree and so anytime you have a debate like this like it's completely subjective but i feel like we do have some of that perspective that a lot of of racers really for lack of a better word don't like for my part like i've been doing this for 20 years and i've competed in the biggest events in our sport on a pretty regular basis um like i've run every million dollar race since 1999 I've raced at over 100 racetracks in like 30 different states across the country. And I've lived uh, and kind of based my racing operation in three different regions over the course of the past 15 years. Um, now, in saying that, like, it doesn't make us right in this debate. And that doesn't mean that our opinions are gospel. Like, it doesn't even mean that we're completely free of bias. I don't know that that's possible. Um, yeah. I'm just saying that I think it gives us a little bit more perspective from which to base these opinions than the average local racer. Like, there are racers from every racetrack, every state, every region that are just incredible. But when all you really know is your home track or state or region, you just assume that those racers are the best racers because they're the best racers that you've ever seen. With a little bit more perspective, you realize that there are really good racers everywhere. And while it's impossible to sit here and accurately pick like the best, it makes for some really interesting discussion. And that's why we're doing it. So as much as I enjoy the discussion, like I'm not going to get into a debate with anyone that can't at least appreciate that perspective that we bring to the conversation. 
Uh, well said, bud. I don't think I could have said it any better. You know, uh, I know right now, and I've, I've been called out, so I look like the biggest <laughs> homer around. <laughs> but, Tennessee you know, is I, on you, and Texas is on me, but we'll, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's a team I put together, so of course I believe in them. I mean, I, it, it was built on, you know, it wasn't built on who I liked the most. Actually, I don't like any of those guys. Uh, anybody <laughs> on my list, I can't stand any of them. So don't think that I'm picking the guys I like, you know, but they're all great racers. And again, just like you said, for those that want to debate or lobby for their team, I'm good with that. You're supposed to, but just back it up, you know, back up your reasoning. And I think that'll create a much better discussion. Thank you. Enough of that. That's going to be next week. And we'll, we'll get back into getting called out after that show. But for now, uh, let's go into our main topic of the day. You know, today we're going to be discussing a topic that most people have an opinion on. Uh, the popularity of this show has blown me away and the characters within it uh, man they're gaining recognition at an incredibly fast rate of course we're talking about street outlaws this show you know it it first aired in 2013 Uh, there's been uh, eight seasons now obviously not eight years but eight filming seasons Uh, they've got over 75 episodes and uh, actually, Street Outlaws is number one unscripted series on all of cable with men. So that's a pretty uh, staggering a, number. That's something I didn't realize till we were researching this. Yeah, it is, and that's according to uh, Nielsen in June of 2016, which is the the know all of of ratings. And um, these these guys, Street Outlaws, show regularly boast viewership in excess of two and a half million. And if you don't really understand how many that is, in comparison, NHRA Spring Event in Las Vegas. Uh, was heralded as the most watched NHRA program in 14 years and had half of that at 1.25 million. So two and a half million regular viewers is pretty strong. And, um, you know, we're uh, talking about Street Outlaws. You got Street Outlaws New Orleans, which uh, they scored a 1.73 rating in the 25 to 54 demographic. Um, that was Discovery's highest rated Monday new series debut ever. That was, that was 2.83 million total viewers, which ranked as Primetime's number one unscripted telecast on all of TV. So popularity of this show is uh, through the roof right now. Yeah, and it's it's such an interesting topic among like what I would consider to be our listener base of, of racers. Um, because it's so polarizing like there are a number of racers who love the show want to watch it every week and and there are probably just as many that can't stand the idea of it and that it gets so much popularity and recognition so i'm kind of interested to to get into this a little bit further um, with people that have a little bit broader view of this than we do and at the same time also kind of share our own opinions like to be completely transparent personally i have a hard time watching the show um like i love racing and i'm a fan of the people involved uh the the racers the the cast so to speak on the show which we'll get to later um but i have a hard time watching it for a few reasons number one like the intrinsic idea that nhra and, and organized drag racing in general was founded on is the idea that that the way they NHRA and, and other sanctioning bodies worked for like a half century to take racing off the streets and into a structured, safe, or as safe as it can be, environment. And the show has, at least in my opinion, it, it single-handedly set that movement back decades. 
and it makes me kind of sick that we've glorified that. But that's kind of a larger debate and something that I don't really want to focus on today. The reason I personally can't get into the show is like, I think it's unrealistic, largely unrealistic. Um, and keep in mind, like I had zero interest in watching it until I knew some of the people involved. Like now, uh, David Bird Jones, who we're going to have on later, um, like Scotty Taylor's a guy that I've raced with, of course, Disco Dean and Kenny Underwood and that Ohio group that was on the show earlier this year. Like I know all those guys, so I want to watch them. Um, and from the impression that I get back in the beginning, this show was more about like actual street cars and actual street races but now i turn it on and i see race cars like not street cars not anything that resembles a street car racing down a road or an airport runway or whatever and i realize that this stuff isn't like as unsafe as they make it look but it's also not being done at a facility built to accommodate racing and cars at that speed with some safety like that bothers me um and it's why i'd never get involved with it personally but beyond that the problem for me is that i know what goes into those cars like for the most part they're hundred thousand dollar plus race cars some of them way more than that and beyond the money involved like they they require a ton of work and upkeep and the show producers expect me to believe that these guys would bring these operations out to race one another on the street for 500 bucks or whatever they're racing for like they would do that if it wasn't on national tv and i just have a hard time believing that like that might fly for the average viewer and maybe it even adds to the intrigue you know that you got these crazy fast you know pro mod cars or whatever you want to call them racing on the street but to me it's kind of ridiculous like i'll take my dragster and, and i mean that thing's as whiz bang as you can get it's probably worth seventy five eighty thousand dollars And it's slower than most of these cars, and it's way less apt to get away from me because it's twice as long. I won't bracket race it for $500 at a racetrack. Like, it costs me more than that to get there and make a couple runs. And I'm not saying I'm above racing for 500 bucks. Like, I'll do it all day long in something like my Vega, right? I live for that stuff. But (laughs) these guys don't have anything like my Vega, not anymore. So to me, it's like, I don't want to say that it's fake. Like, it's not fake. They're really out there racing. It's just not realistic. Like, it's made for TV. And I'd, obviously, that doesn't turn off the non-racing viewer. Like, the, the numbers speak to that. But it turns me off. And I think it turns a lot of racers off. Like, the episode that I watched in full was when the Ohio crew came to the 405, right? Uh, it was just, it was last month. And I watched for, for Disco and for... Kenny and, and for Josh Morgan, some of the bracket racers that I know. And I watched the whole episode, which kind of was like nauseating. And it seems so <laughs> ridiculous for all of the reasons that I just talked about. But I kept watching because Disco was a blast. And Disco is my guy, right? I like Disco. Oh, yeah. Who does? <laughs> yeah, it's hard guy not to like. So I sat through 70 minutes of this stuff. And outside of seeing Kenny and Josh, like it didn't really interest me at all. All of that to get to the climax, right? Big Chief and Disco Run to a tie. <laughs> what the bleep? I mean, like, I've been around racing all my life. I've never seen a tie. Like, I've never made a running competition that I didn't know who won when it was over. I just I thought it was ridiculous that you, A, number one, like, can't decide. And maybe that's for the sake of TV or whatever, uh, building up to something in the future. But to the larger point, like... It's not like that technology was available yesterday. Like for 50 years, we've had more than a flashlight at the finish line to figure out who won. Like, what, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, how hard can that be? 
Um, so <laughs> the rant over, like, it, I know this is kind of like a complete 180, but with all of that said, I think it's hard to argue that the show has been, or maybe that's not the right way to put it, but it certainly could be good for our sport. Like, it's generating eyeballs and interest. Like you said in the open, the average show, the average Street Outlaw show, has twice as many eyeballs on it as the biggest NHRA televised event in history. Like, that's that's crazy. And hopefully all of that interest that's that's that it's generating doesn't all end up on a back road somewhere. Like, hopefully it draws some new people to the drag strip. And, and I think it has. Um, but more than anything, like, I think there's a lot that we can learn from what these guys, whether that be the, the production crew or the guys at the Discovery Channel or the guys in the 405 or whatever, what they've created. Like, why is this so popular? And it obviously is so popular. Like, I think there's a couple of elements to it. For one, it's first to the finish line racing. So, like, it's easy to understand. And that's the argument you get a lot. I get that. Okay. I I understand there's something to that. And there is um, the element of of danger. You know what I mean? They're they're going way too fast on on what appears to be a, a, a... a city street, you know what I mean? A, a regular nice. road. So I, I admit that there might be something to that. But I think the big reason that this is so successful is the personalities on display. And that has more to do, I think, with the way that it's produced even than the people. Like, these guys don't waste time telling us their cam specs and the jetting of their motors. Like, that's gearhead stuff that the average people don't care about. They tell us their story. And it's a story that the viewer can relate to. It's not easy for everyone to root for or against cars. Like, that's something that, to the extent that it's even a thing, is really just a thing for guys like us, like car people. It's easy for everyone to root for or against a personality. And some of those guys on the show, like, are guys that are are hard to root against. Like, they're just likable guys. Um, And some of them are polarizing. You either love them or you hate them. But either way, you want to watch and see what happens. You've got a rooting interest. And I think, in large part, that's missing in our organized sport. Like, it's missing even to an extent in the professional ranks, and I think it's almost non-existent in what we do in the sportsman ranks. Uh, there's no doubt. I, I couldn't agree more, especially about the, the personalities being the attraction. You know, for a guy that loves racing, rarely do you see two racers on the show competing at their best. I mean, they, they spin, they react slowly to the flashlight, and unfortunately, sometimes they wreck. You know, run in a ditch or a cornfield or whatever. So it can be hard to watch for a guy like me that wants to see racers competing on a high level but i realize i'm in the minority there you know so most people are watching to see the the carnage that i don't want to see because i know what I know what it takes to rebuild it and i know how dangerous that can be so you know a lot of them want to see the racers react after the run they want to see the the sidekicks go nuts and talk trash about their driver or their area code you know so the drama to me is what's also attractive uh, watching a couple of guys tie up or maybe even seeing a fist or two flying you know that's fun to watch uh, one thing the show's taught me is um there, you know there aren't many people that actually care a whole lot about who wins and who loses most of them want to see how the show's personalities react to the outcome they get from the race and don't get me wrong the racers care a lot right you know, about 
about wins and losses you know that's that's what they're living for but the average fan don't you know after after i had a chance to go out and announce the american outlaws live event at texas motorplex uh, i got a close look at just how serious the racers are i mean their equipment is the best money can buy just like you said you know hundred thousand dollar race cars these these guys uh, you know they're well prepared and you know like the 405 uh, if you will quote unquote those are all good guys i got a chance to chat with them a little bit and um they they're there to win they want to they want to race and they want to win but let's face it you know tv can make them look any way they want them to look um and seeing them compete on the track showed me they aren't just a bunch of quote unquote street racers you know their their racers just happen to race on the street yeah i won't argue with that i um I just I think it's interesting to look at that group as a whole and the way that they've marketed themselves whether it's necessarily the way that they've marketed themselves or the the powers that be at at Discovery have marketed them but I don't know you just you can't convince me that our form of competition doesn't have personalities that are every bit as interesting with stories that are just as riveting and and several have crossed over I mean we talked about Disco and Bird and there's others um we just don't tell our stories, like in large part because we don't often have a great forum in which to do it. Um, that, at least in some small part, is kind of what we're trying to do here with the podcast, give racers a place to tell their story. Um, case in point, today's interviewees, two guys that are going to be really familiar to any of you who have watched Street Outlaws and or uh, Street Outlaws New Orleans, David Bird-Jones and, and Kai Kelly. Um so as normal or as we'd like to get back to our normal structure of the show here jed like we kind of went on as gas bags like we like to do about (laughs) something that we know very little about um but we'll get an opportunity to go right to the source um with with david and kai so i look forward to the interview and before um before we get to it i just want to break for a few words from the sponsors that make our podcast possible full disclosure I'm a podcast guy. Like, I cook breakfast, and I go for a walk every morning, and for that, what, hour and a half, a podcast is almost always in my ear. And typically, I don't like it when an advertisement comes on. Like, they tend to disrupt the flow of the podcast. So when we started this deal, I wasn't sure that I wanted any sponsors. And then I realized, like, I don't dig the advertising on most of those that I listen to because... I don't care about fixing pre-prepared meals or Dollar Shave Club. I do care about racing. Okay, here's the deal. We're not going to pitch payday loans or fashionable watches. Every ad that you hear here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be racing-related products and services from people that Jared and I have worked with directly and believe in and our own products like this is bracket racing in fact i just wasted this is bracket racing's minute worth of money to tell you that today's ultra important super interesting earth moving interview of the day is brought to you by racer swag like luke said earlier if you listen to this podcast you're all about sportsman drag racing racer swag allows you to display that passion with custom designed t-shirts hoodies caps and more all themed around sportsman drag racing many of the Cool shirts you see at the track, like the popular Racing is Life and Christmas Tree themes are Racer Swag staples. In addition to their own unique racing designs, Racer Swag is the exclusive online home for BW Promotions merchandise. Eat, sleep, want, repeat, all about that Wally and more. This is bracket racing apparel, cheater shirts, caps, visors, 
plus racer swag houses merchandise for a handful of racers, including Luke and myself. See all they have to offer today by visiting racerswag.com. So you can prove them all wrong. Only thing that matters is who turns the big Joining us now are two of the most popular people on the street outlaw scene. One of our favorite crossover racers, multi-time big buck bracket race winner, David Bird Jones, and street outlaws New Orleans number one racer, the shocker, Kai Kelly. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, I'm the bottom of the list, Here's, and I'm the top of the list. What do y'all got? What y'all want to ask? <laughs> I got the biggest now. He's got the fastest car. I got the heaviest gas pedal, Duck. Yeah. I give away house payments. <laughs> what uh, where are you guys at in the world? What do you guys got going on today? Uh, we're down here in Nowhere Land, Texas right now. I think they call it. I think the last sign I seen was 25 miles to George West, Texas. It's a place called Living the Dream Hunting Ranch. Yeah, trophy and ranch. It is probably the best time I've ever had. Like, these guys are... For real. Racing-wise, what do you guys got going on? Like, what have you been working on, or what's what's on the horizon for you as we turn the calendar into 2017? Uh, 2017, I got a lot of things going. Uh, this is Kai Kelly. Uh, Mike Bankston stepped up and sponsored me in 903 for the no-prep scene and the street racing scene. And uh, I, I have put so much launch retard in that motor, and I have still went down the street that the sky's the limit with the power to the, that that Pat BC motor can give me. And uh, and uh, Mike Bankston is talking about putting me in a pro minor for 2017 and NMCA. And uh, my biggest goal is probably to be the rookie of the year in 2017 NMCA. I'm gonna turn wow. it over to David Bird Jones. All right, big news. Yeah. Kyle busting still, on uh, the scene. I'm still over here. Uh, asking my mom to help me out. You know, uh, <laughs> I bought. <laughs> I got payments on a motor from Kai. I got a 738 Musi motor. We're just gonna do a. As much street racing as we can and try to go back bracket racing as much as we can because uh, that's where me and my dad enjoy it, you know, where we can both go out there and have fun and be budget-wise and uh, still be credible. Because you got Kyle over here with 903 and I'm over here with 738 still on payments. You, know, so, <laughs> you got to kind of pick and choose. I mean, we, we do good on the street racing deal, but, uh, I mean, we, we're not winning every event like, like Kai is, you know. So I want you all to know that me and Kai have never raced for less than $1,500. And last race we had was for five, five or five grand, thirty six hundred, thirty six hundred, and I ended up giving away a five grand scooter. Yeah, <laughs> he, he had he had he had two Honda Groms. He walked up to me, he said, "I will race you for whatever's in your pocket." Well, it just so happened I went to the bank that day, and I was thinking the bank was kind of screwing me over, so I took all my money out. I had thirty six hundred dollars in my pocket, so I counted it out, and Barry was like, thirty six hundred dollars. I tell you what, he said, I'll run you for that black Honda Grom that I have. And I've been wanting that Honda Grom since the first day I seen it. <laughs> and uh, so we ran. My car laid black marks all the way down the street. It was wheeling and peeling for 660 feet. <laughs> I mean, that car was testing valve springs all the way Raw down the track. It. Yeah. I mean, it was just smoking the tires. But at the end of the day, I ended up in front of David Bird Jones. I got me a badass Honda Grom. <laughs> I changed a set of valve springs was six hundred and seventy-five dollars, and I got me a motorcycle. Right you guys yeah. talk about racing for a, a pretty decent chunk of change. That was actually something that Jed and I talked about earlier when we were leading up to the interview. Like, 
how to us as racers, some of the stuff that we see on TV seems a little bit unrealistic at times. Not so much like the cash days or the American Outlaws. We know what kind of money you guys are racing for there. But some of the stuff that's staged on TV, it looks like there's two $100,000 race cars out there somewhere in that neighborhood racing, and they expect us to believe that they're racing for 500 bucks. Like, And, and it, you wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't for national TV. Like, look, What's your take? Look, like, how I, are, I, I can't vouch for this. The 405, I've been there. I've done that. Them guys will race a 200,000 car for $300. Like, I cannot believe that. Luckily, 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 that the guy that I drew was Chief. And Chief will bet whatever amount of money you spit out. So, every time I ever went to the 405, I raced it for 1,000. I raced, I raced for 5,000. I raced for 10,000. Like, Chief is a straight-up guy. He will race for cold, hard cash no matter what you name. He is there. He's beside you. Win or lose, 50-50, he will race. But, like, all the other guys on that show, like, I have stood back and I have watched him race for $500. Right. If people watch our show, Street Outlaws New Orleans, if you see us name a price, that is the exact price we're racing for. It don't matter if we can't pay a light bill. It don't matter if we pawned our truck. If we name a price, that is exactly what we're racing for. Because if I tell you I'm racing for $5,000, that's what I'm racing for. Because $5,000 is what I spent the week before trying to get my car ready to race that right. week. And I'm trying to re-up on what I spent. Y'all know what it takes to race. I mean, like, I, I don't save my car for less than $1,500. And I, I kind of learned that from Kyle. First time we raced it for $1,500, and I was like, well, that's going to be my minimum. So I've always ran for at least $1,500 to five grand. You know, that's all I've always tried to shoot for because I don't get paid by Discover Show Up. So I always try to, you know, make my money back on the bet. Speaking I'm of the show, I'm starting to show, and Discovery does not pay for us to be there. They barely cover enough money for fuel and gas. We have really so, good credit cards, though. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> thinks we're rich for racing on TV, the only reason we're on TV is because we have heart. And we have heart to want to race cars. Like the, we talked earlier about the overwhelming popularity of it. And we speculated like some of it has to do with its like simplicity. You know I mean? Like it's easy to watch. First one that gets their wins, like everybody can catch on real quick. And in some respects, like I think that there's some, um, something to like the apparent threat of danger, you know, and watching that as a viewer. But in large part, like, I think the success is due to the people, the production, the personalities, the way you guys are presented. Why, to you guys, has that show gotten so insanely popular so quickly? I think the reason why our show got so insanely popular is because if somebody calls us out, we accept the call out, all right? And when we accept the call out, it don't matter what surface. And whether they want to believe it or not, if you accept the call out, on a virgin asphalt road with no trees beside the road if you end up wiping out your car's gonna live to see another day you, you guys talked a little bit about racing down the 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 road and the the prep or the lack thereof like just some like behind the scenes for those of us that are diehard like bracket guys and gearheads what's it like it's those a, those track and it's, road a, it's, conditions? A it's a total different uh it's a total different scene you know because it's what we've been racing at lately the complete 100 asphalt no transversion no nothing and uh, bad bump at 400 feet yeah about 400 foot when you're laying the power down rolling about 150 150 miles an hour you know that car jumps sideways and you'll, you'll see on the show where a couple of them uh like 
versus Kyle and Birdman ran each other. Hey, both of them were about to hit each other. And they mm-hmm. were both in it, and it was a, it was probably a, a three to four inch uh, margin of victory. Look, man, that was probably the best race I've ever raced in my life. Like, Birdman is like the most ballsy racer I've ever raced in my life. Like, he intimidates me more than anybody in my life. And when I went through the 660 feet, like, I replayed the video. I got flames blowing out, like, seven foot above my car. I look over there. Birdman's got a turbo car. He's got flames blowing out, like, eight foot. But when you beat a person like Birdman, like, you feel so good about it. Like, and that hadn't showed on TV yet. So, y'all keep that on the down low. I mean, it, it, was, it was a race. From when we were looking back, there was smoke pouring up about 400 foot. And we thought both cars hit because you see flames come at the headers and both cars coming towards each other. I was in the gravel at about 500 feet. And, well, I mean, so was Birdman. Well, we're running on a road that's got uh, levees on both sides of it. You know, so if you're going, if you go off the road, you're going in a ditch. Yeah. It was a, the, the road we filmed on this year was a, it was 100% asphalt. It was I mean, a wild ride. And, you're, uh, I'm you're talking say, about a nitrous car and a turbo car falling to the wall, holding it to the floor, every to time, the 660. Every it time does we not filmed, matter. There was, there was at least one wreck every time we filmed this year. Yeah. I feel like I feel like, I feel feel like like Birdman is the biggest competition I have right now to this and day. He's definitely the biggest name in no prep as of right now. If I walk if I walk if, if I just walk in Walmart, you know how everybody's got a greeter in Walmart. Well, that greeter is always going to say, "Hey, when you going to race cheap?" And then I walk <laughs> over to the deli and I, I tell the deli person, "Hey, man, I need some spicy Cajun Kentucky cook." They, "Oh, hey, you're Ty Kelly. When you going to race cheap?" And then then I walk over to the baby section cuz I need some you know, stage three diapers for my baby. And there's, some, three. there's somebody, there's somebody in that in the apartment that's to say, hey, you're Kai Kelly. All right. Every time somebody asks me that, I always tell them, you know, my respect goes out to Birdman. Birdman has my respect. He has opened my eyes. I beat Birdman. I'll stay by maybe a half, half inch, one inch. I couldn't even call the race. I showed Birdman a video. I said, you call it. And, and Birdman Bird, said you won. He called it and shook his hand and paid the money. And I mean, he just straight up honest. He, he just wants That's a race. bad dude. Guy, I've like, got contention with this. Like, why the, the the timing systems that we run on? Like, they ain't new. Like, we did that like 50 years ago. Yeah. Why are y'all still well, trying to they, figure this they, out with a flashlight and a video camera? That, they put that fake line across the road. They, they, they turned the camera and put an angle on it. It's weird. I, no, like I get it. But quick. why are you dealing with that? Like, why not have a timing system? And no, they don't want a timing system because they don't want the truth. They want to, they want to, they have a storyline before we even get there most of the time. They have it played out, believe it or not. And like if you look at Oklahoma versus New Orleans, Oklahoma doesn't run fast cars. You know they'll they'll run a small block car versus a big block twin turbo car, a small block all night uh, all motor car versus a twin turbo big block. What we do where we live, we got a small black car with a small tire. We're gonna give that car the brake. We're gonna let them break up out of there. And we're going to go get them with a big box car. But that's not how Oklahoma does. Oklahoma cheats. Like, they got a list of 1 through 10 of all big tire cars. They're, they're just worried about the win. Yeah. You know, and I mean, like, I've had to run Kai a couple of times this year. And, uh, hey, we're just there for the race. I mean, we're, we're friends at the end of the deal. But, I mean, we ain't never ran for less than $1,500 a piece. I mean, we're, we're there to make money and to race. Yeah. You know, when you stage up, you know how it is, Luke uh, and Jed. You, you stage up, you're not friends. No, it's, it's all about business right there. Bird, I mean, I, we, you and I obviously go 
way back. Like I, I mean, I remember watching oh, your dad yeah. bracket race. Hey, I, I, I tried to explain to Kai. What's that you know, guy's name? I pissed uh, off at the time. Troy oh, Williams Christ. Jr. was like so drunk, telling me how he could like he he could annihilate yeah, my butthole or whatever. Anyway. <laughs> What you still talking about, racing? Bring that shit to the street. All you gotta do is find a road anywhere in between where me and you live, and I will show you who is the baddest tuner on the United States. And and he never did. You know, he just got mad at me. I never did answer the call because they were both drunk. I was in the middle of it. Yeah, he wanted to talk about mama. He wanted to talk about picking up pecans. Like I just couldn't deal with it. So yeah. But I like Bacon, so if Troy ever wants to race on the street, he's got him. Well, knowing Troy, I'm sure that it would have all been like, good the next day. So I'm going to tell, tell you what Troy's got. Hey, we all three know Troy. Uh, he's not going to turn down a race, is he? <laughs> no. I'm going to tell you what Troy's got. Troy's got the back tire anytime he wants to come to an asphalt street, and that's a guarantee. Straight out, of, straight from Kyle Kelly, and that's approved. Wow! Oh, Call out for yeah, T Rod right here on the go. podcast. You heard it here Call first. On the podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bird. What I was. Let's get Bird in here a little bit. We, we've heard from Kai a ton. We like I was I was mentioned a little bit earlier. Like we go way back. Bracket racing scene, um, Texas early days, twenty years ago. What uh, you came up as a bracket racer? Like what first got you interested in even going down this road and getting into the grudge scene? How did that all come about? Uh, my brother's always been like a, a street racer, LS, turbo fag, top deal. So uh, he, he got me into he got me into one big night event, and I ended up losing to the winner in the semis. He was a bracket racer before that, though. Yeah, well, he's more like a dirt tracker. He wasn't, I don't know. You got to win to be a bracket racer, right? He never won. <laughs> So, uh, I, dad, my, dad. Yeah, my, my dad, y'all know my dad, Luke raced my dad way back. My, my brother got me into the street racing scene just because that's all, all he's ever done. He's a, he's been kind of the rebel of the family. And, uh, I went to one little airport race with him and I ended up losing to the winner of the event. And next year I called out the winner of the event first round. And that's where, uh, like they filmed it. Me and that blazer run down the road, uh, just sideways as hell. We get all the way through, and then uh, I somehow snuck my way to the finals, and I had Doc in the finals. I ended up beating Doc that night, and uh, that's when Kyle Kelly called me out for uh, called me out for ten grand, didn't you? For the whoever won that event, because Kyle couldn't make that event. Five, five grand, called me out for five grand uh, on Facebook, and uh, that's how we actually had met. We uh, met in Houston, back in Houston, yeah. probably like two months later. I lost that five grand too. <laughs> Hey, don't don't even lie. He walked right back around, locked in another race. I was like, yeah, I want to race again. <laughs> All right, guys, we're uh, we're going way over time here. I want to close with one last question for Bird, then we'll get into our little lightning round. Bird, what I was trying to ask earlier, like I look at you as a as a racer in in every sense of the word, and I get the impression that there's nothing that you love more than strapping in and making a run, whatever the car, whatever the venue. But I gotta ask, like bracket racing, grudge racing. Obviously, you do them both. You're great at them both. You love them both. But is there, if you had to drop one, like is there one form of competition that you enjoy more? Man, I mean, I just love strapping. It don't matter what I strap into. It's racing, racing. It don't matter if it's the street or the strip. But, but like when you come back to the pits, you know, uh, like me and Kai have a great relationship. But with the bracket racing, it seems like you have the family camaraderie, or you know, you have the family atmosphere around. If I need to borrow a car from Dylan Bontrager, Dennis Cameron, or whatever, I can jump in their car. But at the same point, like I learned that on the street scene with Kai, 
if I need to borrow a motor, man, I mean, you know, Kyle's going to give me whatever, you know, shirt off his back if I need a shirt. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just. I just it's thought a, my mom was to ask you if I could it, it, it's it's weird. Uh, my best friends are, are from racing. They're not from my town or where I grew up with or school or anything like that. They're not my brother. They're they're from racing. I mean, I feel like you know, racing's made. It's my family. That's how it is. And uh, and bracket racing. I mean, I, I showed up at a race with uh, just my truck before, and Brandon Heather let me sleep in his motorhome, drive his car, and everything. I mean, the the bracket racing is what I, I'm a bracket racer at heart. Uh, street racing, I love doing it. It's a, it's a great deal. Uh, I love the one-to-one bet. It's it's something I can get a, a name out for myself, just like Luke's. It's hard to get a name out for yourself bracket racing, but Luke's done it. But, uh, I mean, the street outlaws deal is just something I, I feel like I was I could budget-wise compete in. You know what I mean? Let me let me sum that up in one little sentence for you. The reason why Bird is not a full-time street racer is because street racing does not – offer all the races that bird wants bird is a drag racer so bird will he will street race he will bracket race he will track race he will no prep race he will radio race whatever it takes to get, i'm four, going to make a drink and y'all have a good night all four of us on the phone, <laughs> all four of us on the phone you know if we, if we could race thursday friday saturday sunday that's what we're going to do you know we might have to drive 1200 miles you know we can do it but it's just what we love and how we do it i mean it's what i live for you know what i mean Absolutely. And uh, Luke, Luke knows firsthand. I mean, we all seen Red Luke's posts and stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've always looked up to Luke as a hero, you know. And I mean, the, the way he, you know, travels. You got to get higher aspirations, goes. Bird. Come on now. Two-time world champ. I don't know who I can look up to more than that. <laughs> uh, we'll close this but, out with just a couple of. Uh, we'd like to end our interviews with kind of a rapid fire. So we're just going to ask quick questions and ask you guys for just quick, simple answers. Do we still have Kai, or do you really take off for the bar? Uh, no, Kai really took off. I think okay. he had to go pee and, and check on uh, some other stuff. Fair enough, fair enough. We'll, we'll just get your you know, take he, on he, these. He, All right, Bird. Rapid fire, quick answers. Um, it, it can't be one of your own personal cars or cars that you've ever owned, or we'd know the answer. But favorite race car of all time? Um, Dylan Bontrager's uh, orange and white car, hands down. Uh, funnest car I ever drove. Cool. All right, Bird, favorite song on your playlist today? Uh, uh, man, it's Tuesday by uh, uh, Drake. Me and Larry Reed, all we, we jammed out to it one day. I mean, I swear to God, we listened to it. 38 times in 24 hours. <laughs> Shout out and to uh, Laramie Reed. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's my brother. T-Rex. Brother. And uh, <laughs> hey, anytime that song comes on my Pandora, hey, I screenshot it and send it to him. It's, you know, Tuesday. And it don't matter if it's by another person, but that's all. And hey, he won't respond to a call, but if I send that picture, he'll respond back. You know, my, my boy, my player, you know. Uh, <laughs> all the racing you do, Bird, what racer do you like to race the most? Um... I'm gonna say Gary Williams. Nice. Uh, Gary, he, he's he's fun because if you do beat him and he stabs back in the gas to the finish line, you're like, ooh, he's mad. You know, <laughs> makes you feel a little bit better. <laughs> One bad habit that you just can't seem to kick. Uh, hey, getting behind double O one. We'll keep it on the racetrack, all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and last, I, I'm the king of giving it back. Last but not least, Bird, Kid Rock or Kanye? Uh, Kid Rock by far. Really? Awesome. Badass. 
Awesome. Very good. Bird, thank you guys. Thanks to Kai for taking a few uh, minutes with us. We'll uh, we'll go back and make some edits here and make this presentable. Good luck with that. I, I appreciate it a lot. I'm sorry. Uh, we, we started drinking like a little bit too early. Y'all be safe. Have fun. See, See you guys. Soon. Thanks, Bird. Thanks, buddy. All right, Big Jet. I, I think we got a little bit more than we, we bargained for right there. What do you uh, say? Luke, that's an understatement of uh, 2016. The year's almost <laughs> over. So, <laughs> I, uh, I had an idea of what we were getting into, but I had no idea what we were getting into. Just to recap, we had a Troy Williams Jr. callout uh, on the show, and I'm not real sure what the callout was for. I think we want Tito yeah. to bring his, his top dragster out and race on the street. <laughs> Sounded like it. I, I think get the back that's, that's where that went. I think we got a complete recap of Street Outlaws New Orleans Season 2, and it doesn't air for a couple of months. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a terrible idea. So that that could be an issue. Um, yeah. What did I miss? What else did we just, just learn in the last half hour? Oh, my goodness. We learned that uh, Kai's going to uh, come out with a 903 in his car. That is um, actually a pretty big news. I hadn't heard that. Uh, yeah. And going in MCA racing, it sounds like. Yeah, going in MCA racing, said he's going to go 360s and wear everybody out. So that was pretty interesting. And um, we uh, we learned probably a lot more about those guys than we bargained for, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that within was, that, though, and obviously there was a little bit of, uh, of, of alcohol involved in the interview, but I think the guys, I mean, obviously we got a lot of honesty. Um, I, I thought in, in areas they provided a lot of insight to the stuff that we actually see on screen on Street Outlaws. Now, obviously the interview kind of got off the rails and didn't go everywhere that we wanted to take it. But uh, at some point, like, I just kind of wanted to hear those guys talk. Yeah, well, you definitely, that was mission accomplished then. You definitely got to hear those guys talk. Um, yeah. uh, love them or, or hate them, whatever. Um, there are a couple of interesting figures in street outlaw scene, and it was good to have them on. Um, definitely kind of got away from subject a little bit, but uh, at the same time, a behind-the-scenes look at them and see how they kind of hang out when they're not racing and um, how there's just a genuine love for, for drag racing there was pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's one thing that definitely uh, crosses over on all forms of racing. This podcast has been presented by Racing RVs. At this point, you should know about Racing RVs and what they're all about. They support sportsman drag racing at an unprecedented level, and they've helped hundreds of racers just like you. When the time comes to consider an upgrade to your racing program, whether it's new or used, trade-in or direct purchase, truck, motorhome, or trailer, give Joe Fisher at Racing RVs a call at 419-236-1328. All right, that wraps up episode six and our brief look at street outlaws in the grudge race scene. I want to say thanks to our guest, David Bird-Jones and Kai Kelly. Uh, thanks also to our sponsors. Uh, these are the folks that bring our podcast to you each week. Racing RVs, this is Bracket Racing and Racer Swag. Yeah, we plan to release a new podcast every week of the calendar year, so stay tuned for plenty more going forward. To get the latest episode before your friends, be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast, wherever you got this one, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, and or Google Play. We're on all of those. Yeah, and folks, if you like what you hear, you know, 
rate and review the podcast. Uh, that's how we move up in the rankings so more people can find us. So, you know, if you don't like what you hear, let us know uh, how we can deliver you a better show. Absolutely. And finally, be sure to join the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook to interact and become part of the conversation this week. Thanks for listening, folks. We hope you all have a safe and happy New Year celebration, and we'll talk to you again in 2017. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.